Hi, my name is Kayla Sluka, and I will be joining you here for Day 9 on the podcast. Today, we are going to be reading John 4, 1 through 26. Let's get started. When Jesus knew that the Pharisees heard he was making and baptizing more disciples than John, though Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, he left Judea and went again to Galilee. He had to travel through Samaria, so he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the property that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, worn out from his journey, sat down at the well. It was about six in the evening. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Give me a drink, Jesus said to her, for his disciples had gone into town to buy food. How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, she asked him, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered, If you knew the gift of God, and who is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would ask him, and he would give you living water. Sir, said the woman, you don't even have a bucket, and the well is deep, so where do you get this living water? You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock. Jesus said, Everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again, but whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again, ever. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up within him for eternal life. Sir, the woman said to him, Give me this water so I won't get thirsty and come here to draw water. Go call your husband, he told her, and come back here. I don't have a husband, she answered. You have correctly said, I don't have a husband, Jesus said, for you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Sir, the woman replied, I see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, yet you Jews say that the place of worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus told her, Believe me, woman, an hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know because salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. I am he, Jesus told her, the one speaking to you. The story of the woman at the well is generally well known among Jesus' followers. It is a story we gravitate to because it speaks to the heart of who Jesus is and how he interacts with people. For those of you who are not as familiar with this story, let me give you a little background. First, I wanted to talk about the ethnic groups mentioned. In the Old Testament, Israel was one nation. After the reign of Solomon, however, the nation of Israel was split into two parts. The northern continued as Israel, the southern became Judah. Israel was eventually conquered by Assyria, and Judah followed, this, followed sometime later by the Babylonians. Both nations were taken into captivity, Israel to Assyria and Judah to Babylon. In Babylon, the Judeans were not forced to marry and assimilate into the culture, whereas in Assyria, the Israelites were. This is where the Samaritans come from. 
They are the remnant of the original nation of Israel taken into captivity in Assyria. They were forced to marry and assimilate into the culture, creating a hybrid of Israelite and Assyrian religions. Samaritans and Jews did not get along in more ways than one. To the Jews, the remnant from Judah, the Samaritans were tainted by intermarriage. So if you're a fan of Harry Potter, Samaritans would be considered mudbloods. Secondly, I wanted to draw out some details about the woman. Growing up in the church, I always heard this passage preached as if the woman was loose with her affections, constantly marrying and divorcing because she was debaucherous. We don't know every detail about her life or her motivations, but we know that women could not initiate a divorce in those days. If she had been married five times, that meant she most likely had been rejected five times by her husband whatever the reason. She was living with a man who wasn't her husband, most likely out of necessity to survive, since a woman's livelihood was directly attached to her attachment to a man. It has been noted in the past the time of day she was going, but what is bigger is that she was going alone. Women went to the well together, and you can see that in other Old Testament stories. She was a social outcast, potentially seen as a cursed woman, having gone through so many husbands. So now that we have a few things framing the story, let's go. The first thing that stuck out to me is the fact that Jesus was allowing his disciples to do his work of redemption. Jesus was not concerned with how many followers he had falling at his feet. While the Pharisees were squabbling over the fact that Jesus was baptizing more than John, Jesus leaves town for a divine appointment with someone society would have deemed at the lowest rung of the social ladder. Jesus was here to bring hope. He allowed the disciples to do much of that work with their own hands. It always encourages me that Jesus, the person who could have claimed the most significance, allowed the disciples to be in the middle of the action of redemption. So the first takeaway is this. Jesus wants us to join in his work of redemption. Secondly, Jesus breaks all barriers with his first question to the woman. Give me a drink. Not only was she a Samaritan, but she was a woman. Water has incredible significance throughout the Bible. It is used for cleansing and sustaining life. Asking a woman who is considered tainted not only by her ethnic background, but also her reputation, to touch that which sustained life would have been scandalous. It simply was not done. Which is why she responds with such surprise. How is it that you, a Jew, asks for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans? So how is it that she knew Jesus was a Jew right away? It is evident by the story that Jews and Samaritans looked different enough that she could tell the difference. So, the second takeaway is this. Jesus wants us to break down the walls between people that the world has put up. So, regardless of what people look like or what their background is, Jesus wants us to cross those barriers, to break down those walls, and accept people like he accepted this woman at the well. Let's go back to the imagery of water. The next part of this conversation shifts from the physical to the spiritual. Jesus responds to the woman's surprise at him sharing space with her by saying, If you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Perhaps the woman is confused or even intrigued 
But she responds with, you don't even have a bucket and the well is deep. So where do you get this living water from? You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? I always chuckle when reading this. She didn't know who Jesus was yet. Therefore, this question is so funny. Of course, he's greater than Jacob. But anyways, this time reading, God reminded me of the story of Joseph, who is Jacob's son. For the Samaritans, they held Jacob in high regard like the Israelites held Abraham. Jacob had 12 sons, which would eventually become the 12 tribes of Israel that we were talking about earlier. One of those sons, Joseph, was the favorite. His other brothers got jealous, and long story short, they threw him into a well and sold him into slavery into Egypt. So kids, maybe don't do that to your brothers or sisters. That's a story for another day, and God rescues him out of that mess. But what blew my mind is that the woman at the well is holding tight to the origin of the well, traditionally held as Jacob. Remember, a well is a reminder of sustenance and life. But Joseph is betrayed and thrown into slavery from a well. (laughs) Something that is supposed to be representative of life becomes the place of bondage for Joseph. And in a similar way, the woman going to the well every day by herself would have been a reminder of the pain and rejection she had experienced over her life. How cool is that? Let's go over that again. So Joseph was thrown into a well before being thrown into slavery. This woman comes to the well to draw water alone because of her reputation and past. But Jesus knows all of this. He must know that coming to the well to get water every day must be a painful reminder of who society labeled her to be. He says, everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again, but whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again, ever. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up within him for eternal life. Excited about the idea of never having to physically come to a place that has served as a reminder of her past, she responds, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and come here to draw water. She still has not understood the shift from the physical to the spiritual. She wants a physical solution to her problem when Jesus is offering her a spiritual solution. What happens in the next portion of the conversation is well known. Jesus asks her to call her husband knowing her situation. She says, I don't have a husband. In surprise, the woman listens as Jesus calls out the potentially one thing that has brought the most pain in her life. The third takeaway is this. Jesus always cuts to the heart of the matter. Maybe your physical solution has its root in a spiritual solution. I have always wondered why Jesus told her that about herself. It wasn't to make her feel bad, Then I remembered a scripture from Romans that reminds us that it is his kindness that leads us to repentance. After Jesus reveals to her the depths of her heart, she's eager to learn more. I don't think Jesus was overly concerned about her reputation. He was concerned about revealing who he was to the least of these, those who had been forgotten and left behind. After this, the conversation takes a deep dive into a theological discussion. We find out that the woman is actually theologically astute and asks about worship. The places of worship were separated because of the woman's ethnic background. There were questions on how and where to worship God. What must I do to worship correctly? Where must I go to hear God properly? Remember the imagery of water? Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit, 
become a spiritual well within us. And here he brings his point home. In his final moments in this conversation, he tells the woman that it is not the place that is important. It is the spirit in which we approach God. Worshippers must worship God in spirit and in truth. She responds, I know the Messiah is coming and he will explain everything to us. In Jesus's final statement, he reveals his true identity as God's son, the Messiah. Did you know that this is the first time in the Gospel of John that Jesus reveals himself? If you read through the Gospels, you will find that Jesus is very limited in who he shares his identity to. He had not even told his disciples who he was, though I'm sure they had an idea. In the previous chapter, Jesus has a deep theological conversation with Nicodemus, and he does not reveal himself there. It would make sense to reveal his true identity to a Pharisee who could spread the news to a larger audience with grandeur. But no, he has not revealed himself. Just think about this. Jesus reveals himself as God's son to a woman with a bad rap and an ethnic background to make some squirm. But God is in the business of using ordinary people. God announces the birth of his son first to the shepherds. He chose a young teenager to carry the light of the world. At the heart of what she wanted was to be made right with God. She had a past. She was tainted by the world's labels. She was the least of the least of the least of these. Nobody wanted her. She was alone. And yet she came to the well for water, but walked away with the Holy Spirit and the truth of who God was. So the fourth and final takeaway is this. Jesus doesn't need perfect people. He needs willing people. I hope this has encouraged you like it has encouraged me. So first, I hope it's encouraged you that Jesus wants us to join in the work of his redemption. He could do it alone, but he doesn't want to. How amazing an opportunity to have a role in the divine plans of God. Secondly, I hope and encourage you that Jesus wants to break down the walls between people. Humans are good at creating divisions, but Jesus broke down all social and ethnic barriers with one request. Third, I hope that this encourages you that Jesus cuts to the heart of the matter, and your physical solution may be linked to a spiritual one. Are there things in your life that need a breakthrough? Maybe there are things in the spiritual realm that are linked to that breakthrough. Pray it through. And lastly, that Jesus doesn't need perfect people, just willing people. I think we get afraid of moving forward in what God asks us to do because we aren't good enough yet. But the work of redemption is messy, and God is okay with messy. He just needs willing hearts. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for stories in the Bible that remind us of who you are and how you interact with us when maybe we're not sure if we're good enough or if you see us or if you care. God, I pray as we go forth today that we would remember that you want us to work with you in in redemption, in your great redemption plan. You want us to join in with you. God, I pray that you would remind us how to break down the walls that are between people, groups, or um, social groups. God, that we would be able to move past that and and even with maybe one request of reaching out can break those barriers down with your help. God, I pray that 
that you would help us listen as you are reaching to our heart and speaking out to us about maybe a spiritual need that is behind a physical need. God, I pray that you would help us see those things and be willing to dive a little deeper for the spiritual solution to a physical problem. And God, thank you so much that you don't need perfect people, that you use people who are just ordinary, just like us. Thank you so much for that. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a fantastic day.